Good morning. Welcome to Antidote with Rain Lawrence. I am so, so, so grateful to have the wonderful Nicola Goodall joining me today. Um, she is, God, lots of hats, haven't you? So, um, in fact, if you'd prefer, you can introduce yourself. <laughs> oh, gosh. I mean, my introduction over my life has gone from, please don't ask me to introduce myself. I'm too <laughs> anxious to like, how am I going to edit this down? And I'm only 50, you know, um, but it, it, it changes each time I do it. So I always freestyle. Um, so I am a child of South London and actually through a DNA journey, I realized that we've been there for thousands of years in South London because they've got a Roman that's a, like a common <laughs> so that feeling of being home and, and really you don't hear it as much anymore but when I was growing up you were definitely a South Londoner and an East Londoner and so on um, so I'm a child of South London mm -hmm. and like all good children of South London and I have you partly to thank for this you know we're not what we called um when I was growing up white white no, <laughs> you took the course. You, I don't know if you remember. You left me a message, and it just—I was already on this big DNA journey, and I was like, "Enough, enough!" Now that I don't know my own maternal grandmother's name, let alone all of the other rumors in our family, and I went off on this big journey and found the surprise, surprise—the gypsy jokes were true, and we have—we come from a traveling family on both sides actually of my my ancestry um which is very common in london right but it was hidden because of shame and so on i have an indigenous um grandmother that i found in essex from the Haudenosaunee people i have a west african moorish grandfather who was here as we as we kicked out of the moors out of spain came here got my grandma up the duff <laughs> my fifth great grandfather josiah moore was born um, and I've had a very varied upbringing because my family kind of vamoosed out of South London. They were Irish and Scottish and Northern English predominantly. And they vamoosed out of South London because they all got a cough because they were smoking all the time, right? And mm -hmm. in those days, and the pollution and everything, the doctor would say things to you like, why don't you relocate? all generations of your family to the seaside and so they did they all went all the brothers and sisters and the grandparents and the kids everybody moved to Kent for a bit mm, the countryside yes that's what they now, exactly go and take the sea air exactly mm -hmm. the doctors are starting to go back to this kind of thing slowly but surely so I had a kind of quite idyllic, um, you know, tiny childhood going to the beach and so on, and then came straight back to London when I was 15. And then I worked, uh, I was a terrible um, tear away, criminal, drug dealer, horror. Ooh. And then I became a Muslim very early. In fact, it's 30 years this year in a minute since I became a Muslim. And had this real interesting London hip hop Islam time where we were. Okay, tell us some of the artists that we should look up from that That's era. Right. Oh, <laughs> thankfully there is no video evidence. <laughs> there is, there is recorded evidence, um, and all of that. I mean, I guess I'm introducing myself with all of that because that really all of that impacts who I am as a birth worker. 
yeah. and I'm thankful enough that my lineage comes down in one direction, a traditional midwifery path, you know, of Muslims and grand midwives and indigenous midwives and so on in America. And this radical, like you, when you sent me the message, you put that word in this sort of idea of this word radical of being roots. I feel like my roots are really ancient mm -hmm. and I've always felt that. And now I can really understand more now I'm older. So or I started this work before I knew what it was and it was the definite calling, right? Yeah. I have, you know, we were talking, we did our last session on traditional postpartum on blood and blood loss. And I realized there's not one, I've got thousands of people on my family tree now, not one grandmother died in childbirth, right? Not one. So I'm from a long line of people that know about childbirth. And one of my grandmothers has 20 something children, several sets of multiples, right? And lives into her seventies. So that is an impossibility to speak with an obstetrician about that sort of a uh, reproductive life. <laughs> so, you know, I yeah, come from- radar, is it? Yeah, it just, so I come from that, exactly, it's not, it's not, they just can't imagine that it was true, right? That they'd, uh, they'd, in fact, if I went to the Royal College, they'd stand up and argue with me, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, so all of that is going on in my line and I just start, um, my sister actually, when I have my first baby says to me, you know what, you've got to keep hold of yourself, take a course, and I go every Thursday night for two hours while my baby screams with her father across the street in Battersea and lived on Plough Road to take a little massage course, which I absolutely adored. And then it took me down this sort of rabbit hole of working with pregnant women because there were just so many people around me, right, that were having babies, Muslims, we are breeders, right? The, the rumors are true. We start mm -hmm. early and we have big families. Catholic and the, um, and the Catholic <laughs> heritage. <exactly. laughs> so it just was happening organically. And then when I had my second baby, I saw these posters everywhere for um, what was a doula course. It was one of the first Paramana doula courses. And I'm supporting people anyway, but and I have no idea what this word doula is, but I see Michelle O'Don's name. And with my first baby, I was obsessed with water and having a water birth. And he wrote the um, foreword to the water birth book. And mm -hmm. I just thought that's a really great idea. And off I went to take that course with about a thousand dated checks, post dated checks, because I was so yeah. broke. Wow. Yeah, so, you're um, yeah, baby. <laughs> back in the day, a little bit of check fraud. And uh, I didn't defraud them. I did. I did honor all those checks, but that's how I sort of got in, right, in the in the poverty economy. And I took this course where he was suggesting, you know, that you would, you know, he was just one explaining all the science from what I'd already noticed and been taught, um, but also suggesting that you might go into a space with people you didn't know because everything I'd been doing at that point was community support, right? Just friends from um, friends and family and Muslims in the area and whatnot um, and I sort of thought yeah I probably won't do that <laughs> and mm. carried on with people that I know it's such an intimate process right it didn't make sense to me that other people you didn't know would be there and yeah. then I came to Scotland and I couldn't you know the moon pulls at your hair with this work it's something more than um, choice it's not like saying I want to be an accountant I'm good with numbers it's like you're getting 
pulled along whether you like it or not and when I got here I just couldn't stop doing that work and just yeah started working with people that I didn't know because I didn't know anyone here I then taught with Adela Stockton on the Mindful Doulas course and then she stopped doing that and we set up Red Tent because I wanted to do it differently to how hers was ordered Mm -hmm. Um, and then slowly but surely Red Tent has grown into a big girl (laughs) from from a little girl yes now, you know it was started off as a doula training organization right in inverted commas and now it's like a little army of people changing the world so we have the doula training um we teach some traditional midwifery we have the postpartum training which is very traditional for educators radical educators we've just added trauma school so to be a trauma doula or how to support trauma there's there's a lot of that about right now and we're bringing this year the massage school starts but proper old school massage not spa massage you know so on Matiga will be leading it in Laurels and um, we also have a body of work for the masculine coming this year we've we've started in April with Takaha as a Maori brother who was taught their tradition of haputanga, which is how a man supports his missus when she gives birth to their baby during pregnancy, labor. It's, I mean, it's so, so beautiful. That. So I'm beautiful. happy that's coming. Awesome. Yeah, I need that. You know, I had two, um, well, I've had several things happen, but the latest thing was I had two students who have late teens boys who'd both been messed up by gang members on the same weekend. I Mm. saw a picture of one of them. Both of those women, those mothers don't have men around in their family and the father is absent, passed away or just missing. And both of these mothers were kind of moving towards trying to find said assailants. And I had, found myself saying the same thing to both of them this is not for you to do this is not for you know we're Mm -hmm. we've gone into the when I grew up that would be a man's job right and we dropped that discussion and I'm not interested in having a gender debate about it um but just a sort of masculine protective energy you know that that's what that's for it wasn't for these two who were very vulnerable and it just led me to, you know, we need to we need to organize some more stuff. We need to like we just kind of said you guys can come along to like a birth prep day, <laughs> read one book, and that's it. Like there's nothing actually for there's no circling going on, right? For the dudes, there's no rite of passages, there's no come on son let me give you a bit of advice or very little of it you know from the elder dudes so yeah we start with him um in April I'll share everything about that soon um he's been here and taught it once before already and so we're seeing those um, partners and you know doing that work and it making a huge difference um, we have Adisa Banjoko, who's a great friend of mine, who will be leading some of the work as well. He's coming, he's moving here from the States. He set up, sort of very famous for setting up the Hip Hop Chess Federation with Wu-Tang, with the reserve for Wu-Tang. Oh, okay. nice. 
does all this great stuff, all this great stuff with, with kids and men and it's just going to be wonderful. And we'd like to invite Mark again to come, Mark Harris. Mark Harris. Yeah. So in a nutshell, that's me. I'm a Muslim mum. I have four children. They're all moving out rapidly. So I'm actually, maybe I should say Muslim grandma. Oh. <laughs> How's that making you feel? <laughs> you know what? I've been at it for a very long time because my mother raises my sister's first child alongside me you know my mum does the bulk of the work of course but you know from a very early age I was looking after a child mothering a child you know so I had a few years as I leave home before I have my own children four or five years something like that but that's it I've been a mother my entire adult life pretty much and during those four or five years I was going back to see said baby quite a bit um so I don't know if I want to gonna have a sort of spring break <laughs> go to like Thailand and rave and do all that stuff that all my friends did um but I doubt it because I'm in bed by like half eight most nights so I doubt it I just don't know I think um it's going to take a while to settle yeah same so it sounds like your I'd, I'd hate the term business because it's like you said it's so much more than that it's a calling mm-hmm. but that seems to have grown into its is it would you say it's in its crone phase now or its mother phase it's certainly not its maiden phase anymore no it's definitely not in its maiden phase I think it's in its mother phase you know although grandmother energy is about you know I was taught when you become a grandmother you become the earth keeper you're, you know, the person that's responsible after 52 lunar years, which I've definitely done now, you're the person that's responsible for making sure that the earth is healthy and the community is healthy and so on. So mm-hmm. for sure, that is the direction it's going in. I don't know how much more we'll add in. Um, I'm trying to sort of, you know, organize it so everybody's running it apart from me these days, <laughs> right? Instead of me running everything. <laughs> Um, but we'll see. But yeah, so maybe grandmother phase is more accurate. Yeah. Got it. Um, yeah, I do remember going back to um, what you were talking about earlier with your lineage. Like, I was so shocked when some people told me that you were white. <laughs> I was like, white? No, absolutely not. Um, so I do remember that. And yeah, so it makes sense to me that you've got that Moors um, heritage going on back there. And you also mentioned um, the water birth. So it made me think, I was speaking to a mother recently in one of my communities, and she had her first child recently. And she'd thought that she would be really into a water birth. Um, And then when it came to it, she actually had, this is the first I've heard of it, a fire birth. So she was really, really drawn to go to her. That's more common in the world. We always used to put the mum in front of the Exactly, in this hemisphere, of course, as well. We can't be going out to the lake or the river. We'll catch from hypothermia. So that was really interesting to hear about how she was drawn there in early labour and throughout. I mean, are you not right now? We've got one fireplace working in this house. (laughs) Like, it's minus four in Scotland right now. I thought I was dying of the cold, literally, the other night. (laughs) So... Like I'm remembering not just ancestral stuff. I mean, I'm old enough to remember pre-central heating, right? But that how everyone gravitates towards the fireplace, mm. regardless of who you are. I've never met a single person that says, oh, I hate a fireplace. 
<laughs> it's yes. just it's like okay. a human right the fire even when you're in the you know the desert somewhere in Namibia you're still lighting a fire to boil water and whatever else and everyone's still gathering around it and they're all staring at it you know so of course birth being a ceremony yeah and you know in Gaelic oh. I can never remember the actual Gaelic phrase but we say something like where fire burns no evil can remain nice and that also makes me th- imagine our grandmother's birthing by the fireplace yeah to make sure the baby's protected and nothing sinister can yeah can... and you know we used to do like you find a lot around the world like babies being passed over fires and around fires and so on and we used to do that here we used to like and if the if there wasn't a fire burning the midwife would start one you know to, to do that process to sort of clear the baby I was thinking about this yesterday about clearing the baby because we was writing about shaving the baby's head in the Muslim tradition and I was thinking about it in terms of like of course we all come in pure and clear but we pick up a lot of stuff from our mothers and fathers in their cells and their energy and ancestral stuff and so of course we clear the baby when the baby's born. I think before that I'd always sort of thought it came from this vaginas are dirty kind of discussion yeah. that <laughs> humans have had, but I think it's more than that. I'm gathering my thoughts. That's what happens at this age. Your thoughts are gathered. Mm-hmm. I feel but, like there's almost certainly another book in you, isn't there? And oh, I'm, I'm writing, like- I'm right, I'm like. 30,000 words into one called Decolonizing the Postpartum. I just, I've got to like get a grip on myself. I think what it'll be is one book and then like a recipe book and a herb book or something because it's getting out of control. Yeah. It gets better and better. We've got men entering the circle. We've got a new book. Yes, I'm happy. Decolonizing the postpartum. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned decolonizing because one of my questions that I thought to ask you about was um, I know, so full disclosure, I actually trained with Nicola in Red Tent in 2018. In the park. In the park. Yes, Lynn Brixton, was it? Brockwell Park? No, in Brockwell Park because it was like the first peak. You were having all these peaks in the summer now, right? That was the first one because I actually paid 60 quid to go home early because it was unbearable in London. Yeah. So in the park, yeah. Sorry, go on. 2018 wasn't as bad as I think, was it 2020, where it literally looked like the pavements were melting and there was yeah. a day people just stayed at home under a fan because it was dangerous to do anything else. I breathe in a city, right? Because the what yeah. happens with the pollution, especially where because we were in Brixton and it kind of pools, right? Mm. No one wants to talk about the like death rate on the south and north circular in London, by the way. Like the asthma and death rate is very high. Yeah. Um last... right. nothing compared to last year. No, yeah. <laughs> the last three years just seem like I wouldn't say a dream, more like a nightmare. Like it doesn't seem real that that happened. It's like a disaster movie, living yeah, in Yeah, a real life disaster movie. Um, last year I actually sang at um, with the choir at, oh God, I'm gonna forget her name. There was a child um, who died from asthma and it was the first case where the parent were able was able to um, sue or at least lay responsibility at the illegal levels of pollution. Yeah. 
the A205, and she had a memorial, and I sang at that with the choir. Thank so you. I guess at least they're acknowledging that. It's time. Like, we don't, you know, this sort of corporate cover-up of how, you know, pharmaceutical drugs can mess you up, how pollution can mess you up, how all these different things, right, these different traumas. It's t clearly time for us to all just be like, okay, that's not working. I mean, everyone I know that grew up on the South and North Circular has got an asthma diagnosis. A dear brother of mine has just moved onto it and I was speaking to them this week and they've been coughing since October. I'm like, you're only going to tell me about the cough now in January and send them a list. But it's very clear that they're impacted by the higher pollution levels. And this is someone who grew up in Brixton. You know, they grew up in, in the dirt, but it's obviously gone one step further. So yeah. Yeah. Um, we're sold this like really hyper individualized idea that we're all our own little unit and we don't, you know, we don't, we're not, we're not. Everything's systemic and structurally influenced yeah. us. So you can't tell me it's or I left London 20 years ago, right? And I'd had these two babies fairly close before that, and we were living on the South Circular. I was not smoking at all, and their placentas looked like I was smoking, right? Yeah. And I say to the midwife, I'm not a smoker. She says, oh, no, that's really normal around here. And then I find out this fact that then, that's 20 years ago, it's living in London is the equivalent of smoking 10 cigarettes a day. So now, let's say 15 or 20, right? There's more people, it's got worse, and... Yet you go to your bloody midwife if you're smoking one cigarette and she gives you hell like mm. you're drinking a bottle of whiskey. Yet she doesn't do anything. This is extraordinary to me because midwives would normally try and take care of the environment. She doesn't do anything about the quality of the air that this woman is breathing. Yeah. Yeah, there are some. Um, there's one in particular. I'll have to. I'll put her Insta handle in the show notes. But um, there are some gems out there that are really doing the work with the environmental stuff as well. But yeah, I mean, no judgment because they're so exhausted and their workload yeah. is so high, and no one's ever taught them that. Or you know, it's like no judgment. It's just. Um, extraordinary to me because normally you go around the world and the midwives are just cutting about trying to stop gender-based violence and clearing up the water and <laughs> standing rock full of midwives right from all over the place I know people that traveled all across the world to go and support them yeah that's why I've been really proud of them um, I'm this on the steering group for the association of radical midwives and when they when the Afghanistan um is it ISIS I don't know a great deal about Taliban, it. Taliban in Afghanistan. Yeah. When that happened, um, they immediately set up a group and they are, I'm not sure how much I can go into it, but they're supporting midwives and mothers and families to either leave or get to safer parts or, you know, like, so they, it, it was just instant, you know. It's and yeah, like you say, it's that should be their role, isn't it, to protect Absolutely. I, mean, I have a midwife friend who was in Afghanistan. She actually was working in that hospital that was bombed by the Americans, right, full of, you know, Westerners and babies and so on. 
Anyway, she told me this story of a young woman who came in pregnant outside of marriage. I'm pretty sure it was as a result of abuse, but I can't remember clearly. And they had to kind of, you know, pretend that she wasn't pregnant and, you know, she was just having some other kind of medical thing happen. And they, the baby hadn't made it and, um, they had to perform a service for the baby and, and I mean it was just the whole story was just extraordinary and now what's going on there I mean I listened to a show a podcast the other day about the female judges leaving which is really interesting and it was just very harrowing very harrowing I mean what we need to always say when we're discussing Afghanistan is that the west created that instability and yeah. gave them bombs and guns and training and put people in there to cause a problem and so on and so forth yeah and I mean it's, it's a tale as old as time isn't it it's happening now in um Ukraine yes you know um is it BlackRock have already got their contract in place to rebuild when oh, the yeah. was finished so they're funding the war they're, they're getting money by selling arms for the war and then when the war's over they'll go in and get all the money for the contracts for the rebuilding of hospitals and roads and infrastructure it's a lot of money from war yeah. and arms yeah right? which is why the nct should be boycotted by the way because this i don't know if they're still in bed with but they were in bed with clarion right who have that horrible arms fair that then directly ends up but blowing up kids in Afghanistan and so on. Like how you can possibly shop from any organization that works alongside them. I yeah. would never understand while simultaneously saying, oh, I mustn't eat sushi. Oh, I'm buying this because it's ethical and I couldn't go take the NCT class. Yeah, that's like sort of satirical levels, isn't it? You kind of think, nah, that can't be true. But I know, yeah. From I your... mean, as I left, um, Facebook memories, I'm one of the people that thinks they're quite incredible because as I leave, I make it because they do a hostile takeover of a midwifery charity, right? And I do, I write this post saying, you know, I'm out of there. There'll be, a, they'll do a deal with McDonald's and some arms dealers next. You watch and I'm cracking a joke. And then right enough, they do a deal with McDonald's and then a couple of years later, Armsteers. It's just big money, you know, it's a big turnover. So yeah. once big money is involved, people start to, you know, big money people start running the organization and that's how they go on. Right? Yeah. That's like if you if McDonald's and Coke can sponsor like the World Cup and Olympics, then yeah, it, it, we are living in like a satirical fast land. Yeah. <laughs> Smoke and mirrors, right? Emperor's new clothes. I say that a lot these days. Yeah. Um, so I was I was leading up to, but we're all over the place, which I love Sorry, like, these tangents. No, it's fine, it's great. Um, I was gonna ask you, I know that you're quite knowledgeable on the dark origins and history of obstetrics. Yeah. Have you got any like heinous facts for us about how and when that profession got started? I mean, I have like so many facts so many facts and I'd like to build on that work it's definitely on the long list you know um I mean it's awful and what it does is it needs to be really preserved because it informs where we're at right now with obstetrics I mean I could talk for hours but you know really the essence of the story is that we have a midwifery situation in the home right grandmas and so on and then you have sort of super skilled grandmas 
And then we have a government, it's just a kind of national where people would call themselves a midwife more. And then you have doctors start, and I mean, not doctors in the true essence of the word doctors as we kind of recognize them now, right? And they decide that they would like to muscle in on everything, right? Especially childbirth. And of course, in this misogynistic world, patriarchal world at the time, they present it as they haven't got a clue what they're doing. Women are backwards. They're using witchcraft. They're going to kill your baby. Da, da, da. Mm. And but still, women on mass and families on mass are like, "F you! Absolutely no way we're having a man come in." So they call themselves man midwives for a while, right? M-A-N dash midwife. And that for me, coming from South London, we would have absolutely done that kind of language. That's a man midwifery there, right? <laughs> so it made me really laugh that that is, you know, we're still putting things together like that. And as they come in and they manage to get in that way, I mean, that's the real brutal era right of hooks to pull out babies and just delivering a live air and then we've got dr sims in america brutalizing enslaved women and then we have the other guy i can never remember his name they did the nick about him and he's the guy that finesses if you like the version of the cesarean section that we have today in new york and he's basically a total cocaine addict psychopath genius medic guy and they have a sort of burke and hare story where they are kidnapping poor women sex worker women pregnant women and so on and bringing them in because they can't really experiment on high society wives and mothers, right, for obvious reasons. So basically they slaughter loads of women while they're working out, you know, cauterizing blood vessels and so on. I mean, we never talk about it. Yeah. Is US or UK? So that's in New York, this is Aryan story. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you when you speak to these kind of old schoolboy kind of obstetricians which are in the UK that's 80 percent of them I would say public school and so on they will still lord those doctors those two in particular Sims and that other guy and Sims particularly is still celebrated and when I was doing the European Doula Network presentation I found a paper from I think it was 2012, 2015, not long ago, basically, of doctors kind of assessing whether his brutality, rape, murder, etc., trauma-inducing, was acceptable in light of our advances in gynecology and obstetrics. Guess what conclusion they came to? But it was all worthwhile in the end. It was all worthwhile in the end. You could not do that shit now post shooting of a certain person in America right thankfully every gears are changing and shifting and aggravated voices like mine etc getting louder and those old posh boys are on their way out for sure I think but it's I found that paper extraordinary no surprise really but extraordinary that it's still they would actually be clear about well we we get that it was murderous and torturous and but presented that way you know Mars does a really brilliant breakdown of that famous picture we have where we have the sister on the, the table kneeling up right and Sims is stood next to her the mm -hmm. other two women 
are there and his mates, right? His boys are all looking on. And you can see that it's painted in this, like these dirty heathens, we're doing them a favor. Mm -hmm. You can, the whole piece of art is presented as that, you know? What, what chance would they have without us? Well, they were doing Caesarean sections thousands of years ago in Africa, by the way, East Africa, often we and find those actually. And when, when the Europeans get to South America, that is also really interesting to look at, you know, everyone's using obsidian blades because of germs and, you know, everyone else is way ahead of these guys. Johnny yeah, these guys are going to cadavers, not washing their hands, and then coming to do it. Yeah, postpartum woman's vagina. Like, of course, yeah. And then, so look at Semmelweis, right? So he's the doctor that figures that out, right? This guy in Switzerland. He is ridiculed and bullied and laughed at so much that he commits suicide. Check that out. Wow. And it's just a minute ago. Mm. Whereas, you know, we've got this... In fact, the, the historical sort of common dialogue is, it's the midwives with their rusty knives and dirty hands, but generally midwives knew better, right? And they would use a lot of herbs and they were cleaner. <laughs> so there's a lot of, you know, in old midwifery texts, there's a lot of boiling up of rags and so on. So we knew, right? We yeah. Knew. So yeah. it's so um, fascinating, so fascinating. Really, really interesting, isn't it? Last year I read two books that pertain to this. So first, um, there's it's fiction, which I rarely read, but it's called The Birth House. Yeah, so I love that book. I yeah, love it's that. so good, isn't it? It made me want to move to like, is it Nova Scotia? It sounds I know, just for like a year to be on yeah. a windy clifftop, looking out from your warm house. Always remember she puts whiskey in her tea, right? Tea with mitts. Be with mitts, yeah. I used to do that. <laughs> so yeah, that's great. Um, and then, oh, Apple. Oh my goodness, Apple. It's called Sex, Drugs, Motherhood and the Reclaiming of the Feminine, I think. And she she speaks a lot about the, um, so this one's nonfiction. Yeah. She speaks a lot about the Twilight sleep in, in the States and like- It's horrific. It's horrific. Scopolamine. I mean, and in the States, they're putting a straight jacket and a hood on you as well. It's not, you know, here you just got kind of knocked out, brutalized, and woke up going, whose baby is that? But there, you, you know, you, it was like an extra level, an extra level. And, you know, we cannot talk about these things without talking about the impact of this very odd version of Christianity we have. Which is not, I believe, is not the essence of Jesus, you know, the message of Jesus and Mary and so on, but is this kind of very twisted version where women are just so defective and able to be kind of, you know, tossed to the side easily. It's no problem. And they're full of sin, right? They're full of the sin of, of Eve. Yeah. And hysterical, you know, like utterly uncontrollably hysterical. And then yeah. what was the solution for that in the Victorian times? One of our first uses for electricity, a plug-in vibrator that your doctor uses on you for your hysterics. Yeah, that was really odd because that's in birth house as well, isn't it? And yes. I was, I didn't like, is this empowering? Because she now can have, you know, she can climax and enjoy pleasure without her idiot husband, but equally like ill that a doctor had to like administer an orgasm. Like, 
yeah very strange I mean very strange I'd like to know actually what I need to do is one day go off and read about they used to call it paroxysms right yeah. <laughs> read about the paroxysms and who decided that that was the cure and where does that message come from and I, like, I, I need to go down that trail because I suspect probably someone has some grandma somewhere or granddad that says you know what by the way and teaches something old mm. but when you speak to we have um Ramiro right comes and teaches for us sometimes um he's from the Musqua people in Colombia and their answer to everything is more orgasms in the world right so any question you would ask about the climate change everything more orgasms for everyone and that'll make it all better so I wonder if there's you know, a bit of uh, because always a kernel of truth right managed to survive somehow but, yeah, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say that it's, it certainly has health benefits, but it's just the whole idea of like it becoming that commercialized or regulated, you know, regulated. I mean, there were like ads in all the women's magazines, right? You can go onto Google Images and have a good look at them and a good laugh. It's hilarious. <laughs> but I mean really now like maybe that we don't explore those things anymore your doctor it's very rare that they say to you you know what you could just do with a bit more serotonin and dopamine love here is my how doctor even said the word orgasm in front of me I think both of us would like perish of shame <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I mean the idea of that now of course it wasn't seen as sexual right that was the thing Wow. And the Victorians were very Actually, like, yeah, it was an interesting time, wasn't it? From yeah. the, just the physical act, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting. But you know, here we are doing things, you know, physiological, reproductive life things with equipment. Still, as male doctors, we get forceps and we pull a baby out by its head out of a woman's vagina, and so on. It's yeah. no, you know, it's no surprise. I'm very far, is it really? <laughs> No surprise, because that's just a minute ago, you know, it's just like a couple of generations of doctors ago. We worked out with Sims, we're about only about three or four generations of doctors away from him. So okay. no wonder, that's like, you know, that's like your great, how your great grandma behaved, right? Of course, is impacting you right now, food, yeah. lifestyle, trauma, all those things. Yeah. And don't, uh, is it in the UK or is it in the US that there's a like bronze statue of Sims still, isn't there? So we're still kind so, of. Oh, it's good because there's, you know, there's always wonderful women, right? Wherever you go, there are always wonderful women. And these women went and stood in front of said statue covered in scrubs with blood all over them, right? And they campaigned, it's been taken down now. And I believe that in its place is a, a statue of those three women that we know about from Sims. I mean, Sims had many, many, many victims, but he had, um, Betsy, Anaka and Lucy are the famous ones, you know, that are in his diaries. And his diaries, I tried to read them when I was putting that presentation together. They are, he is such a woman, hate, a serial killer kind of guy. I couldn't make it through. And I've got a really strong stomach normally, but I couldn't get past a couple of pages. Wow. He was a psychopath. Yeah, and that's... Yeah, this is why we've got this legacy because that's where it came from, where it originated. Man. I suspect that man there wouldn't have done that to his cattle, yet he did it to these humans he believed he owned. Yeah.
Ooh, okay. <laughs> so you trained really it is. I mean, trigger warning, trigger warning, because it's so awful. And what happens for us is we go back to like, yeah, that was a rough exam that doctor gave me then. Oh, the um what, what are they called? The things that open you oh, up. Oh, speculum. Speculum, thank you. The history of the speculum directly comes from the brutality of these enslaved women, right? It's a gravy spoon, and it's also so it was a combination of this bent rusty gravy spoon that he had but also this contraption that we use to punish enslaved people for their crimes right where you would insert it into the mouth if the person had spoken back or into the anus if they had resisted rape or into wherever and then you would open it right torture them so we need to do you know those things are still there who wants to i understand what the speculum is for of course and it makes things easier and so on and so forth but you might want to tell some people that that's the history of it so they don't find out afterwards when you use it roughly or it hurts because you haven't put enough gel on it or whatever else triggers you know a woman or a vagina having person that's getting a speculum put inside them yeah, or just having some acknowledgement of like maybe that's why most people don't enjoy going for the, the smear test or whatever. Like, right. And yeah. then, you know, somebody made a plastic one and that changed the world significantly. And then, you know, now people are trying to make completely different ones that have nothing to do with Sims and his torture equipment. Because mm -hmm. who wants that torch? It's like somebody coming along with, I don't know, like a bloody whip or something you know and saying oh but you know i'll whip you on your back and then you'll feel better like yeah. it's, it's not acceptable to a lot yeah. of people regardless of the cervical screening and how much that's helped it will help inverted commas depending on the research you look at mm. it's, it's, it, we've just got to do better because the history of our modern medicine is, is built on the mistreatment of enslaved people and imprisoned people in the concentration camps in, in Germany, right? So no wonder it hasn't turned out well. All that trauma, all that abuse. And we're still using these words as Sims. We still use, you know, Sims forceps in some places. We've still got Sims clinics. We've still got, you know, the Mary Stokes Center. She was a eugenicist. She wanted to kill, you know, not just black and brown people. Like, I mean, gypsy people. She in disinherited her son because he married a girl that wore glasses. We still use the word Asperger's. Asperger diagnosed these people and come, is the first person to come up with the diagnosis so he can kill them. Like, what are we thinking? Why aren't these things changed? Mm. that particularly Asperger's like that breaks my heart because it's a lot of parents talking about their children mm. and that would have meant that that child was taken from them and exterminated I mean it's just heartbreaking right and that's you know some of us have elders that remember the war still <laughs> that's not far away at all so we've got to do better. We've got to do, I, I'm really one of these, like burn it to the ground, start again, like defund the police business. I really am. Yeah, I've, I've, reached their, I've reached there in terms of health systems, maternity services, children's services, mental health services, like it all has to go. It's reached, it's reached its point where it's eating itself, right? And God yeah. bless everyone with the intention of being a healer and a helper and, 
all of that like god bless there's no judgment and no nothing on them but right now we're in this terrible situation where you cannot access care and we've lost a lot of our traditional medicine so you're mm -hmm. just left without you know before yeah. grandma took the slack right faith and prayer and ritual and whatnot took the slack that's gone too you're just abandoned which is then more trauma I mean the stories we're hearing right now I mean I'm, I am also hearing some good stories I, I will admit that um, but on the whole it's I mean I just got one this morning of a very traumatized young woman very traumatized just found out another massive part of her trauma she's on some waiting list you know, for whatever poxy mental health provision we can offer locally, which won't be much at all. Oh, it'll, be, it'll be rubbish. It'll be medication or locking you up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what hope is there for that woman? You know, I mean, I wrote this big email back to the older woman that got in touch with me and said, don't forget all these things we used to know, like food and ritual and walking in the woods and being on your own and getting in the sea and like all of that is is useful, you know, much more useful than much of the medication, which is just sort of, it's not healing, is it? It's just dealing with the situation. So yeah. all of that is it's just, it's coming down anyway. And I see that today I saw a headline that they're gonna try and stop everyone striking. So we're going into some sort of dictatorship, which we've been rolling into since Thatcher, right? Yeah. Um... The, the central bank digital currencies as well is a concern for me. Like, Well, look what's like, happening right now. We're all running, you know, the, on the mouse wheel, like the rat race real hard. We all only really have digital currency and within moments, because we need energy to heat our houses, they've been able to drain our digital currency, all of us. Like we're all, you know, struggling, right? I mean, it's very rare that I'm on a screen with someone that's got a t-shirt on. Yes. Sometimes I'm thinking, even you, even you, it's hard for you to heat your house right now, this, you know, money pants. So it's, you know, that this, this digital currency thing, I think we're going to find that probably our children and grandchildren will be like, I can't believe you did that. I would never carry a mobile phone. You know, I'm back with paper money or whatever, because we've all been completely hoodwinked, haven't we? And it's so easy. Now I find I only go out with my phone. And I said to our grocer the other day, oh, I'll just be my hand soon, right? I'll just be like... Oh, yeah, that's the next progression, is it? First, it was a dumb phone. Then it was a smartphone. And then it's wearables. And then it's implant. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It's really crazy. And I, you know, I've watched my kids that eye roll at me because I won't do face recognition and fingerprint ID and so on. And I was telling one of them the other day, look, as fingerprint ID came out, I read a piece about how spooks had used it in Afghanistan, actually with a warlord that they were trying to manipulate. I mean, what the fuck is that word anyway? You know, a leader, a chief leader, a chieftain. Mm -hmm. And what they did was they did this incredible tech thing because my man had a smartphone with a fingerprint. And they said to him, we've created this situation that we're gonna show to your enemies where we're gonna show that you've been watching porn, gay porn, right? Mm -hmm. And in Afghanistan, in that, 
uber religious situation that's enough for you to be killed right and shamed and so on and he hadn't been but they were able to create a file that showed his fingerprint which of course is unique to all of us <laughs> and it just it gave me the heebie-jeebies about never ever doing that if I if I can avoid it but you know I'm there with all the other fools at the airport with my iris check so I can get through quickly <laughs> Yeah, of course that's what they make it so yeah it's much easier right it's easier yeah like I've got a TikTok addiction now and some of the stuff that I see on there um of like deep fakes and people oh I mean it's incredible I cannot stop when I start and it's kind of like half laughable isn't it like our birds are real etc and then it's half like am I getting hoodwinked? Is that real? Like, you know, what was going on? Yeah, and, and uh, are people who are less discerning or analytical than me just, like, having this completely... Absorbed- Absolutely, believing it all. Absolutely. Many, many people believing it all that birds aren't real. And, I mean, I get trapped by them all around the world when I'm teaching. <laughs> they're often they're often identifying as male, let's say. I think women, estrogen brains are a bit more multifaceted you know but um there are many many people I got trapped once by a guy you know somebody's husband when I was traveling teaching two hours flat earth and at the end of it I was like dude just I don't even care if the earth is flat or round I don't give a shit what does it matter they're lying to us (laughs) they're lying to you anyway dude like about many many things so like does it really matter you're gonna waste your life doing that like yeah something more useful <laughs> exactly that's kind of irrelevant isn't it um so you train doulas doulas and yeah. you um say that you are a radical educator so we spoke briefly about the roots of radical being um so the latin comes from the latin for root so for me radical i always used to think of it and still do as like going back to a more um like fundamental or core that's been lost but I never see radical it seems to be and this is another thing that they kind of steal language and repurpose it um so radical now seems to be more like new and fresh and original you're right but it's old school school, school. yeah yeah you're right you're right the the punk movement sort of co-opted it in the 70s right (laughs) maybe so how would you um, say your teaching styles have evolved over the years? How long have you been teaching and how has the material you teach changed? So I start teaching a long time ago because I do some years in a religious seminary, right? Studying Islamic studies. And, and I start with a kind of, we call it halakha. It's like a sort of circle approach, right? Where you have a teacher, but you know, the women are all very much in a circle. Um, so that I'm really glad that I had that experience and then I kind of I do this NCT course which is a a dip ed right in in antenatal education and it's teaching all this academic stuff about education some of which is really useful some of which is disproved since I did that right so one of the first lessons you get is when you do our educators course is a TED talk saying by the way all of that stuff about visual learners and so on it's not actually true (laughs) so just to get people thinking so I you know my schooling 
I'm like a sort of neurodivergent genius troublemaker, right? I've got like a high IQ. And if I wasn't doing this, I'd be like a pure mathematics professor or something. I love math. Mm -hmm. However, I go through school and because there's so much trauma happening in my house and I'm, I mean, I'm not really naughty. I'm not setting fires at school or anything, but I'm having quite a lot of fights and aggro and whatnot. And so nobody soaks that up and supports me and I just leave school with like a couple of exams the ones I bother to go in for basically yeah and even though I've gone to this sort of fairly posh school I'm seen as a bit of a loser and then no one encourages me to go to university even though I've got this genius super brain etc and then because of the accent you're also like discounted as being clever in any way and you know so I've had this really interesting journey of then going back to university and studying and being able to do it and thinking back to school and how shit that was and anyway to cut a long story short I also do the Scottish birth teachers course at the same time I'm doing the NCT and that was really god-given because it was the complete opposite art using art and dance and meditation and storytelling and and also quite a lot of academic stuff but you know we'd have like well quite a lot of them are professors of midwifery come in now they weren't at the time but they would come in and say look this is really important how you like so Helen Shallow was one of the teachers right and she just did her PhD on that moment of when you're coming into a unit to have your baby and what 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 difference does that make and so she would teach things as an academic midwife, like what's her cervix doing in relation to the midwife's mouth? If the midwife's at the door all mealy mouth and miserable, that woman's cervix is, is mimicking it, mirroring it. Wow. And if the midwife is at the door all like, it's exciting, it's got, the woman's cervix is smiling and happy too, right? So, you know, the, we just had all this different radical education. So. I became fairly rapidly a radical educator myself and just started dropping these ideas about education that I'd been taught in that university system, actually, of card sorting and flip charting and whatever else. And I do still, I do still use some of those things, but I think some of them were very patronizing and weren't making the most of the time that you have with the parents. So becoming that radical educator was quite different and we just I just received a lot of like you should you should teach how to teach like this and decided eventually that right enough that's what we would do and we put that course together and it's a bit academic it's a bit old school you know we have indigenous people come and teach on it and how they will educate their peoples we have storytelling we have dance we have I mean so many different ways of educating people waking them up right to their origin which is part of why it's radical as well right and by the way it was just called the educators course and then the first cohort in london and edinburgh were like no it needs to be the radical (laughs) (laughs) so we changed it they changed it the students themselves and i can see you know the evaluation proof is in the pudding right when i see the projects that have come out of the first two cohorts we have birthing in color right that mars set up with um you know this situation monthly I think it is now where it's for black parents 
and it's run by black facilitators you don't see that so much anymore because everything gets a like bane gag on the word a bane label and then it's a mishmash of many different peoples and then that experience of black parents is sort of lost in the mix right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like you're not allowed to do that anymore you're not allowed to say come on we're all Muslims slash women slash black people, whatever it is, neurodivergent, whatever. let's all go and huddle off in a corner together and talk about our stuff, the celebration, the challenge, etc. Then you're excluding, but it's like, well, you well, can that's the thing. Right to say, no, I want to come in there too. Yeah, we've seen that, haven't we? On mass colonization, etc. And I'm coming in there and I'm taking that tea and I'm telling you how to make it properly, etc. That's still what's going on, right? And I have no doubt that they receive those messages that say, But I'm whatever Israeli, I want to come too because I'm not white, white, or whatever it is. Anyway, um, so we have that group, we have uh, uh, oh educational offering that's all around cesareans for those people that are coming in and having a cesarean for their twins or whatever we have groups for young girls as they begin their menstruation journey we have i mean so much stuff came out of it It is exactly what i wanted to happen i didn't want it to just be birth education and now when we go to ireland this year we're trying to really open it up to, well, we're giving a discount for anyone that's going to teach in Gaelic or promote and further Gaelic culture and language because it was taken from us and it needs to come back in all aspects of life. Yeah, not let it get lost. No, exactly. They're not so bad in Ireland because they have to take it compulsory at school, right? We don't take it compulsory in school here unless you choose that way. And we're encouraging the end of life people to come along and all, you know, different, just anyone that wants to offer any radical education, you know, that isn't sat in a room where you've got to just repeat, regardless of how your brain is made up and what's going on at home and whatever else, you've just got to repeat what they say. And if you can do that, it's great. If you can't, you're a loser. I mean, the 70s as well, we had like alcoholic history teacher, pedophile physics teacher man yeah. that was shorter than me so had an issue with me chemistry teacher i mean it was like a, a cast of losers like no wonder i didn't want to go and was fighting all the time and whatever else no, i mean that's inspirational aren't they <laughs> I mean, the, the history teacher, something, there's like a whole thread online. Someone needs to capture that story. I mean, she was a failed opera singer. Her surname was Blogs, which at the time was hilarious because there were some other blogs going on. She was highly allergic to orange peel. So that would be the first thing that happened as she came in the room. She'd do her nut about this imaginary orange peel. <laughs> I mean, I learned nothing in history, but we just obviously laughed at this poor traumatized artist woman. Yeah, in high school. Oh, oh no. yeah, it's kind of like the the parent thing, isn't it? When you discover your parents are just other humans like you, and you you yes. kind of do that with your teachers as well. And it's like they yeah, they've got a whole backstory. They're going Actually, through shit. Like they were supposed to be a singer or whatever. Yeah, they were not supposed to be doing this thankless job with all these smelly teenagers, right? I completely <laughs> get it. I completely get it. Yeah. And and I, I, 
see i was just gonna say i can see with the next batch because we're starting we've just started with the london one and they have weekend two in a bit and they are also already planning amazing things you know like i just i can't wait to see what they will do with it awesome yeah i've experienced your style with um the sitting in circle and it very much being like a collaborative thing and everybody drawing their little bits of knowledge in and i've just thankfully extricated myself from the traditional education system um which is much more like i'm the authority and i'm going to impart this to you and you just sit quietly and receive um so yeah I really and then you can't talk about anything that doesn't fit in that system right or you get marked down and I remember like going you know my daughter leaves it's just the same thing that I do as I leave they're not interested in my opinion and it's already biased right and I remember submitting an essay I went to King's College in London right I'm a clever girl and um I submitted an essay with an Iraqi no an Iranian reference in it right I'd already been warned by this brother when I came in for my interview, this man hates Muslims, right? The man that teaches Islamic studies, I might add. Anyway, I sit in front of him and he says to me, you can't have an Iranian reference. Right. <laughs> Just can't have an Iranian reference. And I remember before that on my access course that I had to do to get into uni because I didn't go in for my exams at school, writing a whole piece about, you know, how as Europeans get to the Americas, all these people die with smallpox blankets and whatnot. And him bringing me into the office and saying to me, do you really believe that they, you know, would take their lives without without need to take their lives and me being sat there like dude you're the history professor and you don't think about Europeans taking indigenous people's lives in America when they get there like, the whole thing is like of course within those systems we have absolute gems right absolute yeah. gem academics I've met so many of them so many of them but on the whole it's very broken very broken yeah yeah, and do you feel like it's, like, I'm, I mean, I think it is crumbling. And like we said, it's hard to know how quickly we want it to crumble because it's kind of a race against time to get ourselves prepared for a time when that's no more. Well, it would be a total shit show if that happened right now, wouldn't it? Let's face yeah, it. Like if the, you know, if we had a massive catastrophe that took out our hospital system, our health system, of course, anyone that has money or something of value would probably be able to access a doctor still. And for sure, I know a lot of radical doctors and people that have left that would probably step in, right? And I'm watching them reinvent themselves in different, to be healers in different ways. But I mean, we would be good. We saw that with COVID, you know, I went, I did a, the last um, workshop that we did was mother warming and it was on the Monday before the Saturday of you are not allowed to leave your house and about mm -hmm. half of them came and I you know all the hand gel and everything was gone right so I went around the corner and thought to myself I'm gonna go to Lidl and I'm gonna make some medicine that we're all gonna take and I'm gonna find something to make hand gel with to be prudent and I only could find Ray and Nephews, which is like, take the skin off your fingers, let alone kill COVID, right? So we all smelt like total alcoholics all weekend. Um, but also the Manuka honey was full. Nobody, there's like maybe two jars of Manuka honey gone. 
the time was full, the limes, the, all the things I bought to boil up, ginger and so on. Yeah. And, you know, I was not surprising in Brixton as well, because there are many people that live there that come from cultures where they still know that stuff. But, you know, all the, the pasta was gone, the toilet roll and the alcohol. <laughs> that's, that's the solution. Like, we don't even know how to nurse a cough anymore and a cold and a fever. And I know COVID is real bad. Like I had it this year. It was last year. It was terrible. However, I knew my medicines and that I needed to pick up my kidneys afterwards and how to clear my chest and ears and whatnot. And, and I just I feel despair. But everyone's racing to get that knowledge back. Yeah. Everyone's so Looking at the public, I think it's Public Health Alliance, making little hubs all over the country. Yes. So people with healing abilities and the knowledge and those who are extricating themselves from the mainstream now and want to still do their work so that's exciting it's exciting you know i'm meeting i've got a meeting today with someone who's got this organization and she does a sort of version of that for the american corporate system it's really i'm really interested in it i don't know if i'll do any work for her but basically you know you're a business and you've got to buy health insurance for all your employees right that's a lot of money and it's all about cutting deals and saving money and so on and so her situation is that she hires people like me so somebody at the bank that's pregnant and got morning sickness and whatever instead of having to pay loads of private health care fees they might be better off just having an hour with me where we could explore why she's sick and remedies that might help and does she need to take time off and so on and that is way cheaper for the company than going into a very overpriced obstetrician who's either going to tell you there's nothing for your morning sickness or give you something that might impact you or your baby so I'm, what, I'm, I'm interested in how the structures are all shifting. That, to me, is really interesting. Yeah, definitely. And um, it's linked to this This year is like a lot of sevens going on. So two, 2023, two, two, three, make seven. And that is signified by like the mystic or woo-woo spiritual meeting the science and the rational and the... So yeah, it makes sense that like nothing wrong with science I love yeah. science I read oh, papers all the time like it's, I love the scientists but the thing that's yeah. wrong is the energy that's running through it of the elite and control and profit and um, not questioning it and not being able to you know yeah, yeah that power dynamics yeah. the stopping when you're the cancer patient and you say, but I'm going to try marijuana oil, which has so much evidence to suggest it's killing cancer cells. And your yeah. oncologist goes at you because the people with the money involved in it, you know, create that energy, don't they? So that instead you do what your oncologist would like you to do. Yeah, and what big one profit most from. <laughs> Yeah, watch Weed the People. I watched it on a plane once. It was so amazing. It captures that so well. Because what was happening in America was the oncologist started to say as it all becomes legalised, well, last, you know, I've got nothing else for your son. Right? You may as well try that. And then they'd see the kid get better. It's a lot about children and childhood cancer. And then eventually they had to start saying to people, you might want to try this alongside, by the way. Yeah, and I feel like the seven thing is going to stop that false dichotomy like there's spiritual and scientific and then never the twain do meet like 
you know there are our medicine so much of it is is the muslims being in europe right or the avicenna ibn Sina. so that of course was a complete mix of science and the wonder of creation all together right so that you can have science and be healthy all at the same time yeah and there's more and more like you know studying what happens in your brain when you meditate bringing the two together like looking at that's right that's right I mean I watch those documentaries all the time I'm in the middle of watching one about psilocybin although they're giving 25 milligram doses in a hospital room to people which is just bonkers (laughs) with no shaman I mean they're being very nice to them they're holding their hand and they've made the lights better and so on but I'm like, why can't you just go and record that in a in a ceremony? Because then you're gonna see when yeah. the person is tuning into everyone's energy, just what they need, receiving from the ancestors and the divine realms. They've got the singing and the fireplace and everything else going on. Then yeah. we'll see. That's probably even better, right? They'll get there eventually as well with their research. Yeah, I think so. I guess at this point, it's too. It's again about the control. They want to be able to measure it all to the ninth degree, and they want to want it controlled and in their little space. And money. And money. There's oh. a lot of money. I mean, I remember very early on in my journey learning about traditional Asian medicine how you'd pay your doctor a monthly fee as a family. And then when you're sick, you don't pay that monthly fee because they're not doing their job properly. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> Imagine that. Yes, exactly. And I remember thinking, okay, something's wrong here. Something's wrong here. Yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts on the freedoms that we enjoy, perhaps, perhaps not, in the UK? Because so, I heard from a South African uh, doula mm. yesterday. Who, um, so doula over there is regulated. I was, I was so stunned. So there are only two um, teaching bodies. So if you haven't been taught by these two organisations, you're not a doula in South Africa. And those two organisations now are now saying that doulas should not be speaking out about what they see in maternity services or the, you know the care that they provide um, that is the general status quo with doula training across the world trust me and I think that's why red tent is so popular so this yeah. idea that you don't you don't argue with the doctor you don't you know even if the doctors I mean I'm not talking about a, a discussion over life or death I'm talking about you know the doctors violating the woman and you don't argue with the doctor you don't push, you know, you're there as a kind of, you know, servant, a lesser than nurse, keep quiet, shut up, you're there to support that system. And for me, coming from this sort of traditional, no, you guys are in charge of society, midwifery approach. <laughs> it's just the two things just do not gel. Um, I didn't know that about South Africa and I saw your note this morning and, you know, I'm going in October and um, I may run a course when I'm there you know I probably won't but maybe I'll come back and run one because I just do not believe in that however on speaking to some of my sisters in New York where they tried to do a similar thing right where New York State passed that um, bit of legislation where you had to be donor certified now doulas in North America in order to be donor certified you have to get signed off as approved by a doctor (laughs) 
it's also a lot of the black and brown women at the time were like no it's a racist organization I will not train with them so it kind of it would have made almost certainly almost all of the black doulas illegal uh, to my understanding talking to my pals and then I was speaking to one of them one day and I was like man nobody even likes that word it's like a European academic who, again, has taken someone else's word and decided that they're going to use it for whatever What's they it? come do up with. Yeah, do that. Yeah, I'm so gone off it. I only use that word. Yeah. old words. Like I just learned a new old an old word that's new to me from Scotland, skilly, and I love it. Skilly. Love even sound. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Because <laughs> she was skilly and the kneeling woman. In, a, in Ireland, I've just found that as well. And I love that because obviously when we think of women kneeling, we think of them in prayer and service and everything. And of course they used to kneel down to collect the baby on many occasions. So yeah. really, if you're under that, that would be my advice to you. If you're under that, like doulas are regulated, blah, 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 just call yourself something else, problem solved. <laughs> yeah, I've increasingly, I need to change it on my website actually, but I've increasingly been calling myself a birth attendant because that's all I do. Do you know what I mean? I, I can't help you. I like that yeah. traditional birth attendant TBAs. I like that term. Yeah, or a witness. Yeah. There, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like that. Although to attend a birth in the UK is a legal term, right? So, but you can get, when I go to South Africa, one of the things I'm hoping to get is a, you can get a traditional birth attendant stamp license that's world recognized. And I think perhaps that's the way forward for these roles where you're sort of making a pledge that, because what we do a lot with radical midwifery in the West is dick around with all of these clinical and medical things. So yeah. we're turning up with a Doppler or we're stitching or whatever, right? That's not it's not the same thing. So you're making that pledge. I'm not going to dick around with Dopplers and cutting cords of whatever else goes on like with the surgeons, but I'm skilled with this process. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, all the, you can't get a doctor right now. I mean, we had people locally that you couldn't get a doctor when you were having your baby after you'd had your baby. I had people that needed surgeons that couldn't access them. And like, we need that in-between skill set where you can go and get some help with your stuffed knee or whatever it is. I was in A&E recently and I was looking around thinking, you know what, I'd love to sit with all of these people because I suspect some of the things they're in here for are just really doable with a bit of bicarb or a bit of ginger oil to the back or whatever. Yeah, we've absolutely. just lost all of that. Well, I think that's also part of the co-opting of language and of skills, you know, like a clinical procedure is called a clinical procedure, but how clinical is it if you're just rubbing a bit of ointment on someone's skin? But they, you know, the system will claim that's a clinical thing. So you as an unskilled or a someone that's non-professional. I mean, I've had NHS midwives rifle my basket at home births before looking I think for shit like that looking mm -hmm. for me cutting episiotomies or all of their bullshit that they do right imagining that that's midwifery but actually we remember that's man midwifery the midwifery we practice in the UK right now it is it's their version of what they found acceptable and you know as we register all of the midwives the person the people we put in charge of the bishops who on the whole at the time are total woman haters. So they decide that things like song and prayer and herbs and whatnot aren't allowed. 
<laughs> all of the like bulk of midwifery massage and just like arrogance in not accepting that a woman is so awesome that her vagina perfectly easily opens expands lets a baby out and then closes right back up again like oh, but it doesn't when you go back to that misogynistic patriarchal reading of christianity does it it goes back to you're supposed to suffer right so that you know really if you're that arsehole bishop that believes that you believe that like this woman what does she even need support for well to deliver an heir for the dad for the man to bring forth yeah. the baby boys and the future baby carriers and so on but you know that i mean even saint augustine we talk about him all the time here right the things we miss out is one that he i was taught anyway he was Af an african man <laughs> that's a surprise to a lot of like edl people but also was a total woman hater total woman hater when you go through his you know i did religious studies at university right so i love to look at all of these old texts it's awful you couldn't possibly read saint augustine after seeing what he says about women and they've all taken vows of chastity right and all of the i mean it's and we know what's happened there don't we from the catholic church that does not work and I mean, the whole thing is a mess, the whole thing. And it's so, all those little threads, they're like sort of wispy bits of mold that you can't see just going through everything. But yeah. now we're talking about them. Hopefully that means we're pulling them out. I hope so. I think so, yeah. I think the fact that it's so visible now and, it, you know, it seems like it's been a real wake up of many, many more, you know, almost the masses now that are like, hang on, yeah, this system's not particularly great. And so why are we still funding it? And why are we still going there in droves? I mean, it's incredible. Even right now, we are still, I believe, and we have been over this time, no David Iking, like documented fact, only been using ventilators for those that took the COVID vaccine. And my ex-husband was ventilated with COVID. And the last thing they said to him, not like, God be with you, just relax, it will be fine. Just double checking, you're up to date on your vaccines. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. That's like the matrix or like Nazi Germany or something. We, have, we haven't done that sort of stuff for a long time. You know, where yeah, you're and, and for your medical choice. Mm. And the repression of like treatments, ivermectin and the other one, and saying, you know, ridiculing people. But these drugs have been on the market and approved as safe by the FDA for a long time before now. So now, but so you know, now we're ridiculing people if they want to use them for something different. But when it's being used for something that the big pharma approve it for and want you to have it for, and we do that all the time. We do that all the time. We give Domperidone all the time. We use misoprostol all the time. Neither of those were for breastfeeding and postpartum hemorrhage, by the way. They were like for something completely different. And then somebody noticed the side effects. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, you could go off down David like rabbit holes for sure, right? For sure, for <laughs> sure. But I try to stay in the middle and look at it all. Like, whatever. I have the vaccine, don't have the vaccine. Like, everyone's decision i believe when we don't get all the information we need to make that decision currently but anyway everyone's decision but you cannot deselect care for the people that don't take it no i mean it's just absolutely crazy i don't know. anyway for me in my world of you know equality 
adhere yeah, in action. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I mean, I could speak to you for days and this has been fantastic. Um, but I feel we ought to wrap it up now. Not I know, I'm sorry, I could. I know we've been talking for ages because I need the bathroom. <laughs> so <laughs> I know. But thank it's you so great much. to see you. It's really great to yeah, see you. Keep in touch, my love. And I'm, I'm excited to hear your podcast. I'm going to subscribe. Your book and the courses and the, the men bring them into the fold. That's fantastic. No, I can't wait to do that work. Well, I'm not be doing it. I realise that um, I can't do that work. That has to be done by those yeah. masculine energy people. Yeah. All, All right. right. Have a lovely day. Thanks again. Ciao. Bye, love. Bye. Bye.